Hello, everybody. We are back for TechLore Talks 13. I'm Henry, and then this is... What's your name I'm again? I'm Jonah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been a long time since the last one. <laughs> yes, it has. I think it's still shorter than the gap between 11 and 12, though, so... I think. Maybe. Maybe. So we're making progress. We are making progress. <laughs> the Google event. Well, why don't we just dive right into the main thing? So seven years of security updates. That's, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Very that? Very cool. I mean, that's the definitely the one of the... It's the longest out there, like, guarantees, I think. Um, What's Apple's formal it. guarantee? Apple... Apple has a confusing policy. They haven't, like, officially stated, but they have, like, two lists of devices they have obsolete and vintage devices and um i forget which one is which i think vintage is uh devices that are between five and seven where they don't like really guarantee um and then obsolete is devices that are older than seven years and then they officially say we're not ever supporting this um but they still push updates sometimes just because they can yeah rarely it depends on yeah, but you don't you don't see it a lot besides for like that GPS bug that would break the device or something like that. Right. They don't get security updates after seven years typically. So things well, like that. well, seven years is super cool. Like the fact that Google did that and it kind of sucks because, well, it's good for Google. But um, when it was five years, I could justify maybe buying a non Google phone that has four years of updates. But if Google's mm-hmm. promising seven, there's no way I'm considering any other Android device. Not like I would have anyway. Because I think it is only the Zenfone that interests me outside of the Pixel lineup. Sure. But uh, with the seven years of updates, it's a no-brainer to go with that. Now that Google is like committed to seven years, it'd be cool if like Samsung and maybe even Apple like followed suit. Um, it would be cool if it sets like an industry trend. That's probably the best thing. Do you think that seven years seems realistic for Google to keep around a product? There aren't a lot of Google products that last. <laughs> <laughs> seven years <laughs> maybe that's their plan they're like in five years we're just going to discontinue the pixel lineup anyway so who cares uh right but, but, right i mean we're only on the pixel eight which is pretty that's pretty good for google that's only i think the pixels are safe years. honestly yeah like i think google's committed to keeping the pixel lineup and if anything i would actually argue that seven years is them like doubling down on the pixel lineup because it's only been increasing mm-hmm. you know they went from uh three to five to now seven. And so that is super good. I think it's promising and it's good news for the Pixel lineup. I'm excited to see it. And I know some people were upset about the price increase for the Pixels, Um, but uh, all phones are getting more expensive. Not to like justify why phones are getting more expensive. Like I'm not happy about it myself, but to give context, all phones are getting more expensive. I don't think it's unique to Google. And also you're getting two extra years of possible life out of the phone. And so if you do, if you, assuming you're someone who keeps your phone for a long period of time, um, you could actually keep your phone and the value per month would get dramatically better if you kept it for an extra two years. So I think it's pretty cool. Absolutely. I'm excited to see um, the 8A if there is one. Um do you think there's going to be an 8A? Because it's definitely going to carry over I, the seven I'm years. Sh- I'm sure there's going to be an 8A eventually. What do they release them typically in the spring, I think? Yeah, I, I did. I think it's similar to the Apple's iPhone SE situation, if I remember correctly. Well, were there any other big announcements? Uh, Android 14 was kind of lackluster, I felt, in the privacy and security space. Um, so I wasn't too impressed by it. Were there any features, at least, in Android 14 that were cool? I honestly didn't see any Android 14 specific features that were significant. Um, I didn't look at the announcement that much, I guess. I was just looking at Pixel 
exclusive features. Um, so I'd have to check that out. Right. Um, I did see at least Calyx uh, already made an announcement about Android 14 support. Um, so we're already starting to see some custom ROMs start to adopt uh, Android 14, which is pretty cool. So That's cool. Minor improvements every year is what we're seeing now. Not a lot of change. Uh, there was something... Oh, I was going to ask you. Um, I think since our last episode, you went on that trip. Do you want to talk about oh. what you were doing? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I went to the Nextcloud Hub conference. It was very fun. Lots of cool people there. Um, and I pretty much just got to record. I didn't have to speak. So I just got to experience recording it. Um, I'm putting the video together and uh, it should be done soon. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for cool. them. I don't know if they're done yet, uh, but they should hopefully have their videos of all the speakers done. I've been waiting for them to upload the videos of all their speakers so I can direct people to the next club talks after my video goes live. So it's not just me talking about it and then there's nothing to direct them to. So it was a really fun trip. I love Berlin. Any... Yeah. Were there any good talks, interesting ones that you... Like yeah, I liked actually there was one about uh, the greenhouse emissions and kind of the environmental impact of uh, pretty much the global internet um, and different way things that people can do in order to alleviate some of that issue. Um, but also just like the announcements were probably the best part. Like if you're interested in Nextcloud, you get to hear all the announcements and some of these people are like really into Nextcloud. So uh, like they were like <laughs> very imagine, excited. Yeah. Like, you know, when you go to like the Apple like WWDC, people are just like, yeah, <laughs> it's like the same thing, but for the Nextcloud community, which was really cool to watch. Like they're just like, now this button was moved here, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> definitely a passionate community, uh, good people too. <laughs> Punct released a pigeon update that allows you to yeah. sync multiple devices, so I need to check that out because that sounds super rad. Um, the only issue then would be we already went through this but the only issue then would be you wouldn't be able to use signal on another mobile device so like the punk has to be your core mobile device and you can only link devices right. from there um so what i need to test actually i need to test if you can link um molly to the punct so then you could have the punct and molly and make like the Molly phone because so for people who don't know Molly's a fork of Signal. Normally you can't have Signal on two Signal phones, like on two phones you can't have Signal on two of them. You have to have only use linked devices on one Signal device. But with Molly you can use Molly as a linked device, so you could actually have Signal on the Punct and on an Android device. So I did test that and it worked with the iPhone and the Android device. So I could have Signal on the iPhone and then use Molly as the linked device, um, and that's really nice because you sent me an Apple Watch. And I've been experimenting a full-on, like, Apple Watch workflow. It's so cool, dude. Like, I've never used an Apple Is Watch it? before. And it's a cool they device. Nice. Like, they Absolutely. did a really good job on the attention to detail. Everything works, like, just like how you'd like it to work. It's a shitty running watch. But, like, it's good at everything else. <laughs> um, and it's been super cool because now I just go out and I just bring my watch with me. And then I get signal notifications. I can respond to signal notifications. And it's like better than what the punct would be, I think, from a minimalist mm -hmm. perspective. It's really cool. Have you been testing That's out cool. signal notifications on an Apple Watch? Uh, I've been getting them, but I always have my phone with me, I think. So it's easier to just, I like to type to respond. Got it. Yeah, typing does suck. But it's been useful. It's been useful for just like notifying me. Right. I don't have to grab my phone all the time, but. Right. 
the replies aren't great. Um, it, it would be super nice if Punked would, if Pigeon would steal that feature from Molly. It's true. So that you could use it as a link device. Because so that, that, punct- that would be much preferable to me. Yeah. It could be a link device instead of the primary device. Right. It, the option would be good. Actually, that's what Molly does. Molly has an option. You yeah. can register it right. as your device or you can make it a link device. So if Punked did that, I mean, Punked is literally just the Android Signal app. Or Signal should just let you do it. Yeah. I mean, they let you do it with the iPad app, so I don't know why they don't just port that to yeah. all of their apps. Signal is <laughs> ridiculous to me. <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, at this point, was it you who mentioned that the Signal, uh, that Meredith said that it would be released early 2023, username early support? 20, yeah, usernames. They're still not here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know, man. It's it's sad because it's getting to the point. Like, they are rolling out some cool features. They finally released message edits. So that's cool. I'll take that as yep. a win. But yeah, lack of usernames is really an issue. And um, now that I have an Apple Watch I'm testing out, I'm also like, the lack of an Apple Watch signal app is really whack. Um, and also... What was the other issue? Oh, yeah, no linked devices. The whole, like, multi-device issue would just not be an issue if they just rolled out the option for any device to be a linked device. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. That'd be super nice. It's a bummer. A lot of reasons I can't use Signal for, like, my primary messenger, but... I've just dealt with the limitations because it is my primary (laughs) messenger. So, like, I've had to migrate and adopt. It sucks because you literally have to adopt what devices you buy to the signal limitations. Like, that's how bad it is. <laughs> Any other messengers you've been testing out? Uh, not really. I've been using Element more again. And every time I use it, it gets better. I know you <laughs> haven't used it in a while, but... <laughs> yeah, I try not to. <laughs> not to call um, you out or anything. <laughs> I did hear there's Element X now. I don't know. Have you tested that? Yeah. Um, what was it? It... it Right now, it's not working on my phone, so I haven't used it recently. It is supposed to be a lot faster at syncing, which is why I wanted to try it out, because I'm having a lot of... I think it's just internet problems lately, where things just take forever to download. I don't know what's going on with my ISP, the tail scale thing with Mulvad. Have you tested out? But I, have, I haven't used it, though. I still haven't tested oh, it out. You should test it so. out. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, for... People curious, uh, TailScale is a way to essentially, it's a VPN. Um, it essentially allows you to connect to like your local network if you want. Like for example, for me, I use it to connect to my NAS on the go. So I can just use TailScale, I connect to TailScale, it uses WireGuard, and I can just connect to my NAS from anywhere, it's great. Um, but using it alongside a VPN, like worked fine for some VPNs, like it worked well with iVPN, so I could run iVPN and TailScale at the same time. But sometimes it was kind of a pain in the ass. Like sometimes I noticed that if I connected to TailScale first, I couldn't, which I forgot the order. I could only connect in a certain order. Like I, I forgot what the order was, but. <laughs> what are you doing? What, what was that? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I didn't touch anything. My hands aren't. What was that? Was that an Apple thing? That that looked like um, that looked like the Apple thing. Like you know when you send a when you send a text message as an iMessage. I don't know if you have ever done this, but if you hold down the send button, you can send them with effects. Yeah. 
And I feel like there's a balloons <laughs> effect that looked exactly like that. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what? What the hell was <laughs> <is> that? <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> well. <laughs> For people listening on the podcast, uh, there's just balloons that came up while I was talking in the video for no good reason. I, I don't know what that was. Um, but pretty much uh, it was kind of a pain in the butt. So pretty much like you would have to connect in a certain order uh, in order for things to work properly. Uh, but now it's all done via Tailscale. So you just log into Tailscale in your admin portal and you can pretty much just uh, create a Mulvad um slot or whatever and then you just set it as your exit node and so now you just connect to tailscale and then you'll always tunnel out through mulvad and so now it's just one vpn connection one vpn client and everything just works smoothly and at first i thought it was pretty ridiculous because the integration was really bad so if you went to the exit node selection tool it just gave you every mulvad server and the naming scheme i'm looking at it is like jp-tyo-wg-002.mulvad.ts.net. What that means is Japan, Tokyo, WireGuard, Server 2. They don't. They didn't even bother to like label them. They just gave you like the server names, and that's how you have to. So you have to like use the scroll wheel to like find the U.S. servers or whatever country you're connecting to or from. Um, but they recently updated that, so now you can just connect to a country and connect to like the fastest server in a country, and they actually just give you the country name. They don't give you the freaking server ID or the server URL, whatever. So it's really good now. I highly recommend for people. Who are using Tailscale. Um, I did like this one post uh, on our forum. Uh, a user named Ethics made a post called Privacy is not about only using private software. And they're pretty much talking about how it's not just about like changing your browser or changing your messenger or installing a custom ROM. Um, they are pretty much saying you can even use Facebook, but you must know how it uses your data. Then you can go ahead with caution. Privacy is all about knowledge. And I personally like that. I think it's not everything. But I think that there's a very strong argument to be made that like you can use an unprivate service, for example, as long as you're aware of how it's unprivate and how it's impacting you and if you're okay with those limitations. And that's yeah. what like understanding privacy is all about, I think. So I really like that post. Yeah, I, I that's a good point to keep in mind, like that privacy is gonna be different for everyone. And I feel like we, we talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you what's been annoying me about like a lot of privacy channels and I think that we do this too quite a bit but it just recently like it's been bothering me that like all of these privacy channels and websites and people out there are like super focused on this libertarian version of privacy where like the individual user has to focus on improving their privacy as much as possible and there's really not a lot of focus on like getting governments to regulate privacy and that kind of right. thing and making like societal change and like getting these companies to respect privacy instead of like teaching people how to defend themselves. Like, right. you know, and, and it's important to have both. Like if, if we live in this society currently, we have to, people need to know like what's going on and like what they can do about it. But also like, it's, it seems to be that's the main focus for everybody. And it's not like, it's just not good marketing, like for privacy in general. Right, like, like you're, you're screwed you're unless everybody <laughs> right, kind yeah, of marketing. pretty much. Yeah, it makes everybody paranoid. It makes people who are interested in privacy like out to be crazy. Um, well, what would you say to someone who's listening and they're thinking, okay, maybe if the government stepped in, we might see some improvements, but I don't believe in government regulation over something like this. How, how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, it's it's just tricky. Like, it, it, I guess it depends on what their belief in what the government should be doing is. Um, right. Like, if, if they don't believe in any sort of, like, government inner inner or regulation in like the free market at all then i don't know if <laughs> there's nothing to say i don't know what i could say about that because you know it you, you can't rely on like the capitalistic free market alone to self-regulate itself we've we just know that to be a fact but it's not a fact to some people <laughs> um but when i this is a hot take though hot take corner <laughs> <laughs> right um i would say on, on personally on my end uh, one thing I really like to think about is uh, the reason why you can go to a grocery store. Now, you might still, you know, become overweight or obese because the health of the food isn't guaranteed. Um, but uh, you can go to a store and be pretty certain you're not going to get poisoned. And the reason for that is because there are regulations around food. Uh, there's certain things that can be in your food. There's certain things that cannot be in your food. And there's a lot of protocols that go into place to make sure that the food you're buying is generally safe. You're going to get some outbreaks of some things here and there. But I'd say, like, overall, we've done a solid job. The fact that you can just step into any grocery store, for the most part, and just walk out knowing that the food's probably safe is really impressive. Um, but we don't have anything like that with, like, the Internet side of things like you can sign up for any website they can kind of do whatever they want with your data so i think that mm -hmm. people are really personally i think that the way people see this is oh they don't want the government to be stepping in and stifling companies or stifling your rights xyz but i actually see this as giving you more rights because um this pretty much like we see things like the california privacy act which give me more rights i can email a company and ask them to send me all the data they have about me and that's a legal right that i have if they don't do it, they're breaking the law. I can also legally request them to delete my data. That's part of like the rights that I've been given. And it's universal for every company. So like, I think there's a big misconception behind what government regulation has to look like. Because this is pretty much allowing companies to offer people a better privacy, private and secure experience. Um, that keeps people safer and gives them more rights. The individual gets more rights because of this. Do you know they had... They had Google Pay, and then they named it Android Pay, and then they named it Google Pay again, and then they named it Google Wallet, and now I think it's <laughs> Google Pay, <laughs> or maybe Android Pay, I don't know. <laughs> I think they have both a Google Wallet and a Google Pay app at the moment. <laughs> oh my, dude, that's so funny. It's a problem for them, though. It is. I think, I think, I don't remember if I was watching Marquez or Linus a video that they made about it but they were like you don't have to worry about this with apple because like the apple podcast app is not just going to go away if you buy an iphone you're going to have the apple podcast app forever you don't have to worry about it whereas like they just killed google podcast did you know that yeah i got an email about it yeah crazy because we had podcast on there they've... and they have <laughs> yeah that's true and they emailed and i like... guess they're on youtube music now maybe? yeah they converted uh, google podcast to just youtube music because YouTube Music now has a podcast thing, which we already did. So all our podcasts are in a playlist. We can set it as a uh, like a formal podcast on YouTube, which is classified differently right. somehow. I mean, it makes sense. I, but that's what they should have done in the first place. Like, they always had YouTube. Right. It, it should have always it, just been on YouTube. Yeah. So weird. I don't know what's what's up with that. I, I, they, they, they can't decide. You know what it is? They're just not a bold company. 
because they get an idea, but they don't want to go all in because they're scared that if they go all in, it's not going to work out. And so they make like a half-baked decision. They're like, okay, we might like roll out a new messenger, but we don't want to discontinue the last one because maybe the new one won't work out. And then like before you know it, like they make all these half-baked decisions and then they sometimes end up making what they should have said and done in the first place. Like in the case of Mm -hmm. YouTube Music, I think that's what they should have done in the first place. Like they already had YouTube Music. They had YouTube. The podcasts are already cross-posted to YouTube anyway, because there's like no like major podcaster who doesn't cross-post their stuff to YouTube. So it makes sense to just like bake it into YouTube. But they probably didn't want to do that because it sounded too intimidating. Apple just does whatever they want. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's it's i think they just talked to each other like all the people in apple's different departments they coordinate yeah they actually coordinate things. it's right it's not like just two people i don't think like google has not i really don't think google has made any like sensical product decisions since canceling google plus i think like after that point in their history everything is just gone terribly did you ever use google plus yeah how was it i actually did it was good but i think google plus was the last thing that they went like all in on like that was a really bold decision for them to make and it didn't work out and i think since then they haven't been able to make another decision like that as a company but why didn't because literally everything for do you remember for a while every single thing was like google plus connected right like they made people add their names to their YouTube profile because it was connected to Google+. They made people switch to Hangouts from Google Talk because that was the new messenger that was on Google+, that kind of thing. Every single Google service was, like, connected to Google+, and I heard, like, internally all of the product managers got, like, big bonuses if they connected their product to Google+. So it was, like, a big... That was, like, a big thing at Google. And that was, like, the last big thing (laughs) at Google. I think everything has just been separate ever since but yeah google as a company not super impressive with their product management (laughs) no it's unfortunate because like they do have some really good products and it would be awesome to have a little bit more faith in how they i guess connected things i mean so like i told you i've never used an apple watch before in my life and i'm like for my for the first time ever just trying one out to see what it's like and it's mind-blowing Like, you have to understand the perspective I'm coming from. The perspective I'm coming from is I've never used an Apple Watch before. I know literally nothing about it outside of, like, its running capabilities. Because that's all I've ever used a watch for in the past. It's just, like, so how is it it for running? That's all I care about. Um, And so to get the watch out, I'm realizing, oh, wow. Like, when they released focus modes, that was, like everything connected like on all their devices like the focus modes Mm -hmm. was exactly how apple wanted to like roll everything out for all their devices for decades to come and they nailed it because now they can release any device and it will integrate properly with focus modes google can never do something like that something so simple like on on ios it's so simple like if i go for a run it automatically converts to like a fitness focus mode so i don't get notified Mm -hmm. by anybody while i'm running and that applies to all my devices, and that's a feature that's already baked into the watch. I mean, it seems simple for people who've used an Apple Watch for their whole life, which is a lot of people. But, like, yeah, it's the little things like that that, like, you can just tell were done properly um, from the ground up. So you just don't see it's that. It's incredibly appealing. Um, I have a friend um, who texted me just last week, um, and he was like, I'm thinking about switching to iPhone. 
And I texted him back jokingly, like, oh, was the Pixel 8 not convincing enough for you? And he said that he actually watched the keynote and he was looking for the Pixel 8 because apparently he has a Pixel 7 Pro now. Um, and, but he wanted to see like what the Pixel Watch 2 was going to be like and it, nothing was super impressive about it. And the reason that he's switching is because he wants like a smartwatch. None of the Android options are good at all in Apple and Google is not like working on that kind of thing. Um, so like being able to have an Apple watch and have it like seamlessly integrate with the rest of his devices is like super important. Like that's important to uh, like a lot of people who just want like all of their stuff to work. Right. Like the integration is next level. Google can't do any of that. So that's, it's like a big problem, like outside of just the techie space, but like people no, I think nobody trusts Google right. to handle any of their products at all. It's like a well-known thing. Yeah, I don't think people could articulate it. I think if I was to ask my friends, like, oh, why aren't you all in on Google products? They wouldn't right. be able to articulate, oh, because Google is an inconsistent company and they release half-baked products. What they probably have done is they've just tried using, tried using them and they were like, I don't like this better than this but they don't know why they probably just think that like oh this is better um like i I had an easier time using this or this was more convenient or hey like this just did things for me um so i think that's probably where most people come at it from but like if you're trying to analyze like the the engineering and the the technical details of how they implement things like that's exactly what's going on it's like google has this messy ecosystem i mean android by itself without the smartwatch is already just incredibly messy um that's just the nature of the situation, you know, like, yeah, it's less consistent. Uh, there's a lot more work that has to go into like making things cohesive on Android. Um, how developers integrate with the operating system is a lot messier than how iOS does things. Um, how it integrates with other devices and tablets and desktops is also messier. Like, nothing is an ecosystem. Have you ever uh, have you ever used Samsung's products like firsthand? I, outside of like seeing what people use and like just quickly like using other people's phones like i've used Mm -hmm. people's samsung phones for like brief periods but i've never owned a samsung phone because i hated all my time using other people's samsung devices but does samsung have a decent ecosystem uh (laughs) i don't know i've just been reading a lot of like comments and like people's reactions uh recently in like the android community from the google keynote uh pixelate stuff and a lot of people are like well it seems like the general consensus among among like non-tech people is that Android is Samsung and not Google and not anyone else actually like that's the big thing and if you look at like market share it makes a lot of sense because most people I'd have to look at like pixel versus Samsung market share but I think all of these other Android manufacturers have gone out of business there's no LG there's no HTC Samsung's the only one left they're doing something different from everybody else Um, like Google Motorola uh, Asus, they're all pretty much stock Android, and Samsung has their own special stuff, but it seems like Samsung is really, like, when people think of Android, um, that's what most people think of, and they also have, like, they do have an ecosystem of devices, um, from phones to tablets to laptops, and I don't know, I I've, I really don't like Samsung personally, but uh, apparently a lot of people absolutely do and it might be a good experience if you're like totally dedicated to that ecosystem i'm not sure i'd have to try it out but i don't want to get multiple samsung devices (laughs) right it's it's hard right 
don't know if anyone uses Samsung um, and is in the Samsung ecosystem, definitely leave your thoughts below, especially if you have experience with the Apple ecosystem to give us a better idea of what that looks like. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in the US at least, uh, Apple's 52%, Samsung's 28 and then no other single manufacturer is more than 10%. Um, Motorola is 9 and Google is 2% of the market. Wow. So if like the vast majority is like Samsung of Android devices is our Samsung devices in the US at least. That's weird because I rarely see anyone with a Samsung device like with my own two eyes. If I'm going around like I just don't see people with Samsung really? phones. I feel like I see more pixels than Samsung phones, but maybe I look more for the pixels. Like I I can that spot a pixel. I I see you can spot a pixel a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> with with their crazy design. I do definitely notice a lot of pixels um and I think it's mostly because of that, but Almost every single person I know has iPhones or like see around. Oh, definitely see. iPhones. I almost never see Android phones at all. That's what I'm saying. So. Like I just see iPhones and Pixels. So I just yeah. assumed that those were like the two main options, but I would never have guessed that Samsung has like 14 times the percentage of market share. Yeah. Dude, I am so bummed that they didn't release a 15 mini. I mean, I didn't expect a 15 mini, yeah. but like I was bummed. And now my only hope is the SE being the mini variant but honestly i i really think that they're going to go for the xdr uh really yeah the xr the 10r you don't say X. sorry i don't if you're <laughs> if you're an apple branding person <laughs> right i don't really keep up with the lingo but yeah like the what is it the xr yeah, yeah. 10r t- t- obviously 10r okay you pronounce it 10 yeah so the the iphone xr i think they're gonna reuse that not the mini Uh, which is really sad the 10r 11 design is easily my least favorite iphone oh me too i think of all time yeah me too i agree there isn't any other design i can think of that's worse maybe like the 3g i I wasn't a fan of the iphone 3g 3gs that was a pretty bad time i think was it? Yeah. Have you seen it? I don't know if I've ever... I don't think I've ever seen an iPhone in person before the 4. Oh, I had to repair a 3G, so. 3GS once. And so I got, like, hands-on with it. And it was, like, really nasty. That so. black that black plastic bag. Is that what you're thinking yeah. of? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't hate it. It's not great, though. It's a curved version of the iPhone 4. And I'm not a big fan of the rounded corners. Like, it looks like a pebble. Yeah, it does look like a puzzle. Um, that is a good <laughs> description of it. Yeah, um, I'm just not a fan. I think the white looks nicer than the black, but I'm still not a huge fan. I think the iPhone 4 look looks leagues better than this. Like the iPhone 4 was a pretty cool phone design-wise, as well as the 5 and the 5S. Um, the 5S, I think, was like peak design i did like the 4s a lot when it came out but like that 30 pin connector was stupid yeah i agree <laughs> I, i'm a big fan of the 5s too 5s was a very underrated phone i mean first 64-bit processor um and then obviously yeah. you have the really nice design that's when they first released space gray too i think and it was just a really great phone the 5s lasted forever too um i think yeah. it was because it was their first 64-bit phone and they were kept supporting 64-bit for a long time I was actually like so hyped when they th- when they brought the original SE out and it was the 5S design because that was like my favorite 
iPhone design up to that point even. Like, the 10 was okay. But like the 6 through 8, I wasn't a fan. Me neither. I, you know I what? I like the flat edges. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I actually might like the 10 and 11 better than like the iPhone 6. I was not a fan of the iPhone 6. That is actually one of my least... Yeah, I'm looking at the iPhone 6 right now. I really don't like the iPhone 6. Yeah, the iPhone 6 was bad. It was also the first like big iPhone. So I'm very biased against it. it, it yeah, that could be it. Um, but it was it was just a bad phone too. Right. It had the antenna lines that went across it. It they bent. Yeah, um, the six plus did. Yeah, bend gate. <laughs> you know what my first iOS device was? It was the iPod Touch four. Oh, interesting. My first was the iPhone four. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I. I didn't get a phone for a long time. Because <laughs> I because I couldn't afford the monthly plan. That's fair. So the i the iPod Touch four though was actually it it looked nice but so it only looked scratched nice very briefly because it had that polished yeah, steel back it scratched it got so scratched it got incredibly scratched it was the craziest looking device I've ever seen right I remember the four and just how like crazy thin it was yeah like it, it was cool it's insane how thin they made that iPod Touch four dude I miss the iPod Nano. That was a good device. The iPad Nano. Which one? Though? I, they kept changing the, the design for that so many times. It was crazy. My favorite iPod Nano is the 6th generation one. The little square that you could clip. The, with the touch screen? Mm-hmm. That was my favorite. Yeah, that was super. I, I had one of those, actually. That was a super nice one. It was great for exercising. And the cool thing, too, is you could buy like a, a watch strap. And, and then it annoyed me the 7 was, like, worse. Yeah, the 7 was, like, credit card so, size. So much worse. Yeah. It was way bigger. And <laughs> I was like, why did they reverse course on this? It was really frustrating because they released the 7th gen, which introduced Bluetooth. I don't think the 6th gen had Bluetooth. So they introduced Bluetooth in the 7th generation, but it Bluetooth would have been a much better addition to the smaller form factor because then you could literally have it on your wrist and have Bluetooth yeah. audio, like Bluetooth headphones. So it would have been, like literally an uh, like an ipod apple watch pretty much back then yeah i remember you could get watch straps for it it was cool i missed that i still have mine it still works does it yeah you have the 30 pin connector the 30 pin correct yeah i got one i mean it's powered off but last time i tried turning it on it still worked and everything it was a nice device what was the first phone that you got was it that iphone no it was a flip phone nokia device from verizon Interesting. Yeah. What was the first smartphone? iPhone 4. iPhone 4. Yeah. Oh. You weren't an Android guy. No, my first Android device was the Nexus 6P. Really? Yeah. That's a long time yeah. to wait to use Android. <laughs> well, that was... I think. So I had the iPhone 4, and then I got the 5S, which was... So they released a 4. There was a 4S, 5, 5S. I think it's three... I waited three or four years to upgrade from an iPhone 4 to the 5S, and then after the 5S, I waited to get the Nexus 6P. So it was like, I only had two phones hmm. before the 6P, pretty much. Interesting. Yeah. And then I was pretty much on Android exclusively since then. Um, and now I'm kind of like tinkering again with the iOS ecosystem. So, as you know. That's kind of opposite. The first iPhone that I got that I actually used, 
as my main phone was the iPhone 10. Wow. Because it was, the iPhone 10 I think was cooler than all the Android phones at the time. So what did you I use before? I don't think anyone else was doing like the bezel-less stuff. My first phones were crazy. <laughs> my first, my first Android phone ever was the Kyocera Rise. <laughs> you should look up that phone. <laughs> Kia, what? Kia, like the car company? What? Kyocera, K-Y-O-C-E-R-A. Kyocera what? Rise? K-Y-O-C-E-R-A, Rise. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. And then after that phone, I got a Galaxy S2. And that was a big upgrade. But it was the, they made two different Galaxy S2s. There was a Sprint-specific edition of it, and that was the one that I got. <laughs> S. I wonder if the Galaxy S2, the one that I had, even shows up if you look for it, if you look it up. Let me look up Sprint. I think I see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is the first one. It had four illuminated buttons instead of, like, one central button. Interesting. Yeah, I see it. Man, that was an ugly phone. It was, oh, it was so fast. At least I thought at the time. It was way faster than the Kyocera Rise. <laughs> Kyocera Rise. <laughs> that, that S2 was like top of the line. And I had that for so long until I got the OnePlus One. And that was a really nice phone. Yeah, I mean, that's a I was gonna almost going to buy, I was going to buy a Nexus 5 almost. Um, but then the OnePlus One just came out and it was like better than the Nexus 5 in every way. Except it was gigantic. Which I didn't know I didn't like at the time, but it turned out not a fan of big phones. Well, at least you learned quickly. Most people yeah. don't. <laughs> Most people don't learn. <laughs> Most people just never learn, and they just keep buying big phones. Look, if you want a big phone, fine. Just don't have no small phone options, which is, like, currently the situation. There are no small right. phones you can buy anymore. That are like from a mainstream menu. Like you can't go into a Verizon store and come out with a small phone unless it's like a flip phone. It's just not an option. It's so annoying. Yeah. And no, I don't consider the Zenfone 9 a small phone. Like it's not. How, how big is the Zenfone 9? It's still bigger than a 13 mini. Um, is it really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And that's considered like a small Android device. Yeah. I, I thought it was like much smaller than that actually no it's got like a 5.9 inch screen um oh yeah that's way bigger than the than the 13 mini the 13 mini is like the perfect phone i think i agree imagine if they just re- released the 13 mini with USB-C, with USB-C, a little bit better be battery awesome. and like a that's dynamic thing, island though that's the big problem Dynamic Island is nice, but like battery tech has not evolved at all since like for forever, basically. It's like the improvements are just so tiny. I wonder though. And I think that's why people are getting away from the small phones because they just can't, you can't improve battery life. But without here's, I fight back on that because it bigger. the battery life, for all we know, I think that if we took battery technology today and put it inside an iPhone 4, it would last days. But, like, the technology is also, like, advancing as well, mm-hmm. you know? Like, CPUs are able to do a lot more right. now. Well, I mean, people people expect their phones to do more. Right. So, I would take a 13 mini with just, like, a downclocked 
processor. Like, I don't do anything on my phone. Just have it run Signal and, like, maps, and, like, that's it, you know? Like, just do a Mm -hmm. few things well and have decent battery. Like, get rid of... I don't need two cameras on a phone. You know, I just don't. It's stupid. Like, now there's, like, three cameras on the back of a phone. Like, take out some of that garbage and increase the battery size a little bit. Or, like, there's, like, a million things they could do without having to touch battery technology to make the battery a lot better. And I think this is, like, very well demonstrated when you move away from stock Android to a custom ROM. Like, I see a noticeable improvement in battery life because you don't have Google Play services just destroying your battery life 24-7. So That's true. I don't know. But I think also Android is just more inefficient in general. I agree. I mean, we've seen that forever. Right. Where, like, Apple can get away with way smaller batteries. I agree. So... There's probably a reason only Apple is making super small phones. But there are a lot of useless features. I mean, I don't need, like, my computer to show special effects when I'm recording a video if I do this, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, there you go! <laughs> Yours is on, too. <laughs> I turned it on just for that, actually. Wow, you did it for a bit. <laughs> for a bit. Now I have to turn it back off before I forget. I don't want it to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out hope that the iPhone SE will be mini. But uh, yeah, like you, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on the fence. I, I, I mean, I was telling you this, I'm kind of convinced by my thought that maybe they're getting rid of it because of the MagSafe accessories. Because like they, if they make accessories that go on the back of the phone, the biggest they can make it is for the smallest phone that they offer, right? So mm-hmm. they seem to be going all in on that. That's unfortunate, man. I better make Lots of bad the 13 mini I got last a long time. Well, um, that was kind of it for today. We just wanted to get ourselves caught up. Um, there haven't been any like major highlight things that we can just like break down and talk about for a long time. So in the meantime, we're just kind of sending our thoughts along. I know that not everyone's a big fan of that, but some people also really love it. So for those of you who love it, I hope you enjoyed. For those who don't, well, hopefully or hopefully not. I mean, it's kind of a good thing. There's nothing like super noteworthy for us to talk about because it's probably bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's usually bad. Yeah. Right. So uh, this is kind of where we're going with this. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, if you like what we're doing or you want to engage with us a little bit more, uh, definitely check out our forum, discuss.techler.tech. Um, it's pretty darn active over there. We have two sponsors who are sponsoring the forum now, which we're both super excited about. Um, it's Enti and Notesnook. Enti's photo storage. And then Notesnook is uh, like notes, <laughs> obviously. Um, it's kind of yeah. like Evernote, but end to end encrypted and all that jazz. So definitely check them out as well uh, on our forum. And aside from that, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash techlore. And is there anything else to plug? I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time on Techlore Talks 14.